You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. All right, would you stand for the reading of the word Isaiah 41? We're going to start off from today. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can read along with me or you can read from the screens here today. God is speaking to the prophet Isaiah. He's saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incest against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Today, I want to share with you what I believe will be critical and crucial for the next 12 to 14 months of our nation and the history we're getting ready to go into. I want to talk to you about what I believe we need to prepare for, and that is the campaign of fear. Lord, we thank you today that you are with us. We invite Holy Spirit to come. Just move in this room today, right now, Holy Spirit. Angels, would you just remove distractions from this room and that we can get into your word and walk out of here completely changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to somebody next to you and say, buckle up, buttercup, get ready. (laughs) You guys like that a little bit too much. Wow. I figured for the next 45 minutes, we'll just go around and do our chance of our football team. So we'll do that. Is that all right? Okay. The campaign of fear. Now, this is what I believe we're in for in the next year and a half. And here's what I want to talk to you about. Today, before I get into my message, I want to read the State of the Union. Is that okay? This is the State of the Union. And, 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 and it's just going to be me kind of trying to document what I believe is happening in our nation and where we've come from. There is a campaign of fear looking to be reelected in our hearts each and every year. The landscape of our nation is drastically changing right before our eyes. We have been hit with more crazy headlines, updates, posts, videos, and articles than ever in the history of our nation. We seem no longer shocked at what we read. Because of that, many times we fall victim to the new coin phrase, fake news. Even the craziest of stories seem normal now. We know we have a crazy year in front of us with one of the most contentious election cycles ever. The two leading candidates could very well be campaigning from jail. Think about that for a moment. We are debating whether or not to entertain a practicing Hindu candidate because he seems to be one of the most logical spokespersons. He's 38 years young. Biden, 80. Trump, 77. We wouldn't even want some of these people on the road, yet they're running our nation. We're watching global leaders flirt with World War III. The idea that two powerful nations, China and Russia, could join forces to fight against the United States, it's not just a thought, it could be a reality. Oh, never mind the fact that we got North Korea and Syria going like, hey, we got nuclear weapons, don't forget about us. Terrorists are a constant worry. No longer is the enemy wearing their flag on their shoulders and they're not fighting a fair battle. We have regular occurrences of people in peak 
physical condition dying on the field of play or in everyday activities. Famous celebrities gone missing with illnesses or mysterious issues. Hollywood celebrating the demonic yet censoring Christian values. Abortion being mourned when the Supreme Court miraculously overturns it. Scientific data readily available that face masks don't work. And even now recently, the N95 that can cause cancer, yet mask mandates being flirted with rising up again. Lockdowns that have been proven ineffective and the cause for an extreme uptick of depression and suicide are being discussed as potential options on the horizon. We're watching intentional attacks against our children's future and identity in previously safe and innocent places like schools, libraries, and even basic children's TV shows. Kids are being forced to question their gender and even strongly encouraged to participate in events and discussions we would have deemed child abuse only a few years ago. Parents are taking their children to receive medicine and or surgeries to change their bodies, which in almost every case is irreversible and has extreme harmful results. Children are being sexually assaulted at a staggering rate. The nonprofit National Center for Missing and Exploited Children say it received 29.3 million reports of suspected child exploitation in the year 2021. That, that number has probably grown. We are being told that having too many kids is a detriment to the environment and the economy. What once was looked on as a sign of a healthy family is now considered weird. You have how many kids? How are you going to afford all those children? Which leads me to the economy. Wow. Whew. Everything from bread to gas to microchips are either hit by supply chain or staggering prices. We're forced to work multiple jobs with many hours away from our loved ones to pay for all the stuff. We need to own to look normal. People are forced to live with parents and rent instead of own. Fear of debt, failure, and bankruptcy is a constant. And one of the reasons why we got in this place is because a major virus outbreak in 2020, I don't know if you remember that, uh, some of you might have forgotten, but we were forced to endure one of the greatest pandemics in recent history that not only messed with people physically, but also tormented people socially and mentally. It wasn't only a pandemic of health concern, but this pandemic also destroys people's minds, their marriages, and their long-term health. Our solution was an extremely divisive vaccine that to this day has separated families and friends and even churches over the very mention of it. Even the mention of it right now causes many of you to get defensive. When the dust settled, we realized that most of the data and information we received regarding this pandemic was flawed at best and extremely destructive at worst. We are regularly presented with the fact that we are different colors of skin tones. Although in God's economy, that is designed and celebrated, but in our nation, we are indirectly taught to rage against people that look different. We are inundated with news feeds about race riots, shootings, and attacks around us. Ultimately, destruction, division, and death sells. Oh, even the demonic cells. Uh, let me continue. With artists like Doja Cat, Sam Smith, Little Nas X, the days of backward maskings are considered tame and lame. Anybody remember that? Yeah, yeah. We now have openly satanic rituals performed to the masses and celebrated as art or entertainment or free speech. How cool is it that the devil finally gets his airtime too? Surely what could go wrong with all this innocent performances? We are a nation that feeds off of fear. We crave it. We dream about it. 
We pay good money to watch movies about it. We delight in a time of the year when we can dress like demons, witches, warlocks, and perverts so to scare kids and allow ourselves to do things we would be embarrassed about any other time of the year not dated October 31st. We go to bed tormented. We wake up stressed. We dishonor our elders. We abuse our children. We have become so desensitized by all of this, we call all of this a normal Wednesday. This was described in Romans 1, verse 18 through 32. God says he gave them up to dishonorable pleasures and a debased mind, a worthless mind. So what are we to do? This is the state of where we live right now. What do we do? Well, we treat the root, not the fruit. And what I believe today is that the root of all of this is a word called fear. And I want to talk to you about the truth of fear so we can get to the root of this. Fear is a spirit, number one. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Do you know that you fight against a spirit? And every time you say, I'm afraid, every time you say, I'm fearful, you come into alignment with a spirit. I have a picture of a spirit that you can look at right now, and this is probably freak you out and scare you, but this is what is coming after you and your children right now. Say, Pastor Mark, why would you put that up there? Because I don't want you to partner with this anymore. You can take it off because I know there's kids. But guess what? Kids are normal, used to this, because they play games with those pictures and images on it. So those of you parents that go, well, we don't want to let little Jimmy get scared. You know what? Let me just say this. There's fear designed to destroy little Jimmy. And it comes as a spirit that we allow into our homes by the things we allow in. And I wanted you to see that because I want you to know that when you're fearful, it's not just an emotion, it's a spiritual attack against you. You need to get angry. You need to get upset. You need to get indignant. Not in my home. Not in my house. Fear is addictive. There's something chemically addictive about it. You can read tons of studies on the internet that talk about this. Watch what happens around Halloween. There's this new infatuation. I don't know what it is, but they put out these little, little children, these little statues, all holding hands, dancing around like a cauldron. Have you seen this? People put it out on their lawns, little witches and little, little ghosts and things. And I'm like, what is going on? And next thing you know, the neighbor has one too because, you know, I got to up one too. And I've watched in neighborhoods, people put demonic things in their windows and on their lawns. And it just becomes, oh, it's so cute and it's so cuddly. Meanwhile, kids go to bed with terror and tremors and nightmares. And we wonder why. It's addictive. How do I know that? Well, there's a story in the Bible. God sends 12 spies into the promised land. Notice I said promised land. It was promised for them. That land was for them. 10 of those spies came back and said, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. We ain't going to take it. And because of the 10 reports, the Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years because they believed in a fearful report when God said, I've already given you the land. As soon as someone gets fear, it spreads like wildfire. Fear is designed to destroy your purpose. I hope you're getting angry right now. I hope something's, something doesn't feel right right now. It's designed to destroy your purpose. Romans 8.15, if you did not receive the spirit, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. It wants to bind you. It wants to conform you. It wants to control you. Jesus was on a boat crossing through the Sea of Galilee. He was on purpose. He was on mission. And on the way across, a storm came. It was such a fearful storm that trained fishermen said we are going to die wake up Jesus so we can say 
Bye-bye, Jesus. We're going to die. And Jesus stands up and says, peace be still. He speaks to the storm. Why? Because the storm was trying to stop the destiny. We read it later on in Scripture. As they get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, a man meets him. He's filled with demons. His name is Legion because there's many. See, there was a purpose of Jesus on the other side. And the devil wanted to stop him. So he sent a storm of fear. How many know that there's purpose? Something is trying to stop you from getting to the other side. And that spirit is fear. Fear is divisive. It, dis- it, it divides us. Romans 8, 38, 39 says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. But I'm telling you right now, the enemy is trying to separate you. He is trying to separate you. I remember in 2020, the same virus separated people. You had people controlled and people militant and rebellious. It was the same thing, two different results. The enemy didn't care what camp you were in as long as you were fighting one another. Fear is unavoidable. It's predictable. I'm going to just tell you what we're in for in the next 12 to 14 months. Tons of vile attacks leading up to this 2024 election. You could bank on it. Ways to distract you from real issues. Look at over here. Look over here. Demonic flirtations and infiltrations like never seen before. A virus and threats of sickness. It will come. You can bank on it. Control and manipulation through social media and news. Race riots, racial profiling to separate our power of unity. Radical increase of depression. Traditional Christian values under fire. Pastor Mark, when does this message get encouraging? Well, I'm telling you what Jesus said in John 16, 33. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. For in this world you will have tribulations. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Even if these things do happen, take heart. He is still seated in heavenly places. He has overcome the world. When you know something is coming, you prepare for it. When you know we're getting ready to have a storm of epic proportions, you go down and you nail down that trampoline. How many know the trampoline is the first thing to go? First thing to go. And then you get the, you get the patio furniture. You bring in the dog. You, you prepare the house for the battle ahead. That's what I'm telling you today. Saints, be prepared. Be vigilant. Be ready. Because my last point is this. Fear can be defeated. That's where you shout amen. Fear can be defeated. It can be defeated. It's been defeated. There's a story in the Bible called David and Goliath. And even if you don't know Jesus and you're here today or you're watching online, you probably heard it. Because the story of David and Goliath is an epic story. Everybody loves it. It's the little boy, the little guy, you know, watching sheep. I mean, how cuddly are sheep? I mean, he's just up there playing the guitar, stairway to heaven. He's just, he's just singing to sheep, man, worshiping the Lord. Then you got this big, brawny Goliath dude. And, and, and now theologians debate whether he was six feet tall or nine feet tall, but it wasn't even so much his height. It was the enormous power that this man had. Scripture talks about the weight of the armor that he wore. This dude was a bad dude. And for 40 days, listen to this. I'm going to paint the picture for you. Israelite army, Philistine army, 
And every day, day and night, the morning and the evening, Goliath would come out in the field for 40 days. And in 1 Samuel 17, this is what he would say. He said, why have you all drawn out to battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. And if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. But if I prevail against him and I kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel, all of Israel, heard these words from the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. 40 days, no hope. I mean, at some point, get somebody to pump some iron, shoot them up with some steroids, throw them out there. I mean, what you got to lose? I mean, this is not going well. But there's a little boy up on a shepherd's hill. And he's playing his guitar. Stairway to heaven. And he's worshiping the Lord. And he catches wind of them because his dad says, hey, I want you to go feed your brothers on the line. So he comes in with some cheese and bread. And he's listening to this. And he's saying, what is happening? What are you doing? He says this in verse 26. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That's he just threw him under the bus. This uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. He didn't even talk, take it personal. He said, you're not talking about Israel. You're talking about our God. Who is this guy? His brothers get so angry with him. Say, well, listen, bro, you came here to bring some cheese. Now get the heck out of here. You don't know what you're doing. You're just a little shepherd. Go play your guitar again. Go up there and watch those little sheep. But David had something in his back pocket because he was up on the shepherd's hill and that's where he would spend time in God's presence. See, it was in the intimacy with God. He was learning and growing and becoming the king that he didn't even know he was called to be yet. In verse 34, King Saul hears about this kid. Now, you know it's pretty bad when the king pulls a kid in and says, hey, you gonna help us out with this? And that's pretty bad. He pulls him in and he sees him and he says, here, let, let me give you my armor. And he tries to do all this stuff. None of it fits. And this is what David says to him in verse 34. He said, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion and a, and a bear and he took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and I delivered it out of its mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and I struck him and I killed him. Your, struck, your servant has struck down both lions, plural, and bears, plural, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now, I, I don't know what happened in that tent that day. I'm sure some people are like, are you kidding me? Seriously. But let's talk about this for a moment. This was a boy watching sheep, taking out lions and bears. Lion got up, he grabbed the mane and just beat that thing down again. That's epic. I don't know how many people have beat up lions and bears finger-handedly with your hands. That's not true, Aiden. I know that's not true. <laughs> but here's the deal. It wasn't so much that he took out lions and bears. He knew if you're going to come up against my God, somebody's got to take a stand. And I'm not coming after you with any of my natural kind of muscles because how many know he's probably, his voice is probably cracking because he's still young. 
But he knew, look, if I step on that field, I'm not stepping out there alone. I'm stepping out there with the angel armies. And if you, if you, if you jokers don't want to do it, let me do it. See, he was battle tested in his time alone with God. He spent time with God. He knew who he was. And that shepherd's hill led him to the battlefield. And in the battlefield, everybody was full of fear. And they were trying to use weapons that we would normally use, like swords and shields. David tries on the armor. It doesn't fit him. So he takes out this little leather thing. Some of you know what that is. It's called a slingshot. And I don't know how many of you have ever tried to do anything with a slingshot. You might as well forget about it. The only thing you'll hit is your own eye. It's like, I mean, you, you, you're trying. This dude knew how to use it. And he went nonchalantly before the battle, and he picked out five smooth sto stones. And he took them and he put them in his pocket. And I love this because, because you got to imagine Goliath, this big dude, bad dude, standing there. And every day he's coming out. And finally, the person they send out is this little kid. Hi, guys. I'm here to fight. <laughs> and, and Goliath said, Are you, am I a dog that you would send out a boy? I don't know if when Goliath was talking or when David was talking, but as Goliath was talking, I assume maybe David's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, hold on a second, I'm, I'm listening. Taking out his rock, put it in his slingshot, just starts the momentum up. David said in verse 45 to the Philistine, you come with me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin. I was like, hold on a second, you got three things? Okay, hold on a second. David's like, look, but I come with you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defiled. Mm-hmm. The day of the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down. Listen, he starts prophesying what's going to happen. I'm going to strike you down. I'm going to cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with the sword, <laughs> not with a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand. Now, you know this story, but here's the deal. Hits the guy in the head, goes over. Now, this is where it gets really good. Takes his own sword out, chops his head off. And I can't imagine, I mean, can you imagine? Like, all of a sudden, the Philistines like, what just took place? And the Israelites are like, oh, my goodness, that is one bad little dude. And all of a sudden, his brothers are like, that's my brother. We believed in him the whole time. See, his courage came from God, whom he spent time with, who built up his faith in the secret place. He stood up for truth when there was no one else. He loved God. His love for God was so much stronger than his fear of his own life. So I want to talk to you today, three points, living like a David in a Goliath-filled world. Living like a David, number one, you were not created to operate with, from fear. Your DNA has not been infused with fear. When we entertain fear, we come into alignment with a false narrative that we were never to exist in. Fear is demonic. Your decisions that you make out of fear, fear will never be made right. You need to change your mindset. Your mindset needs to change. You need to know that fear is not your future, that fear is not what you've been given. You're not given a spirit of fear. You got to go to the root. And the root of all of this, it's not the vaccine. It's not the virus. It's not the election. It's not all of these contentious things that we're going against. It's fear. Fear is the root. And for so long as the church, we're treating all the fruit. 
We're warring against the fruit. We're trying to get another politician to save us. Meanwhile, everything, all behind the scenes, we know principalities, powers, rulers, it's all motivated by fear. If he can get you to buy into fear, if he can get you to elect fear one more year, come on now, he can cause some of you to take your own life. He can cause some of you to lose your marriage. He can cause some of you to doubt your faith. People are deconstructing their faith because they're losing their hope in God. Why? Because fear has become normal to them. David heard the words of Goliath through a much different filter than the rest of the army. I'm talking about the nation of Israel. One little boy heard it different. Everyone else heard, we're victims. David said, I'm a victor. I've been given victory. What are you guys doing? If nobody's going to do this, let me do it. Number two, the more time you spend on the hill, the more authority you'll have on the battlefield. The more time you spend in his presence, the more times you play and worship in him, more time you're in his word, knowing his word, getting to know his word, praying and giving him thanks, the more your authority begins to build up. Scripture says there was a moment where the apostles came, tried to cast out a demon, and the demon said, I know Jesus, I know Paul, who are you? And they didn't know him, why? Because they had no authority. There's many of us, we're trying to step out on a battlefield, and we don't have authority. And God says, you need to get your authority right first. It's not what you do, it's not what I do, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's Christ in me that compels me to stand up on that battlefield and say, if nobody else is going to stand up, I'm going to stand up. If nobody else is going to, here, hold my sheep. <laughs> David learned how to fight fear away from the battle. See, the lions and bears prepared him for the Goliath. He was so used to beating up lions and bears. I mean, I'm like, dude, just for a moment, that's epic. Hey, lion, like, just that's the normal day. Where's the bears coming from? Like, you know? By the way, kudos to the lions. Anyway, the point of all this is to say, all the lions fans were in the first service. What you experience, oh, there they are, two of them. What you experience in God's presence equips you for the battle. And for many of us, we're trying to fight a battle we've never been equipped with because we're fighting without authority because we don't know what it's like to be in God's presence. Without fear, listen to me, you will never understand the depth of God's peace. When you experience fear, you appreciate peace. When you experience fear, you have a perspective of how much more we need the peace of God. By the way, that's a fruit of the Spirit. You can grow that. It's something that should be evident in who you are. When you walk in the room, peace should be coming in with you. When you walk in the room, fear should say, I'm getting the heck out of here. You should be the David in the Goliaths of your world. Number three, the weapons we use to fight, they're not normal. David chose not to wear Saul's armor because he had his slingshot. You know what your slingshot is? It's the word of God. Just start loading up scripture. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, that's a scripture right off the bat. You can throw at the enemy. Come on now. What God starts, he finishes. He's the author and finisher. So even though you may feel like you're in process, good news, you will be finished for his glory. God will complete what he started in you. Everyone mocked David, but faith looks foolish to people immersed in fear. Faith looks foolish to people immersed in fear. Ooh, when you are full of fear, people that have faith, they look foolish. 
It's interesting how we call things foolish that God designed as faith. Because I know many people would have said, that's foolish for a boy to go out on a field. But God said and said, no, that's my son. He's full of faith. It's a perspective. It's a change. We don't fight with natural weapons. Your anger isn't going to defeat fear. You know what's going to defeat fear? The presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. That you call upon him and say, God, right now, I feel the fear. I feel something coming over me. But I thank you, Lord, your scripture says that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of self-control, a sound mind. And I just say, God, I, I tap in to your peace. It's a fruit of the spirit. Holy Spirit, I invite you right now. Woo, I invite, like, oh, we don't do that. Fear needs to be cast out. Come on, I, I want to remind you of that image. You're going to let something like that in your home? You're going to let something like that with your kids? You're going to let something like that over your life? See, for too long, fear has not had an image. And that's sane. That's tame. But many of us, we just say, oh, fear, I'm just scared. I, you know, the highest grossing genre of movies is horror movies. Why is this? Because the enemy knows if I can get you to coddle fear, that state of the union, you'll become used to that. You'll be lulled to sleep and no longer will peace be part of your life, but you will live in constant fear and you'll get, it become normal to you. But here's the good news. Fear needs to be cast out. You need to find its food source and cut it off. Be aggressive in your progression. You need to find out what is driving my fear. Is it what I'm watching? Is it what I'm listening to? Is it who I'm listening to? Is it the people I'm around? Is it the news agencies I'm listening to? Whatever it is, you cut off its food source. If you don't want stray cats showing up on your doorstep, you stop feeding them. If you don't want fear in your family, you stop feeding fear by the way you talk, by the people you walk with. Change your course of action. No longer, listen, you will not be victorious in the year ahead if you don't get this message in you. I learned so much in 2020. I learned so much about myself more than anything else. I said, what happened? All of a sudden, God was good in 2019. We're singing Kumbaya. We're, we're, you know, this is great. God is good. Hallelujah. And then all of a sudden, 22, where's God? Where's he at? Same God. I'm, I'm reminding you, that same God you feel right now that's moving in your life, he's the same God that's going to be around November of 2024. Perfect love cast out fear. And guess who has perfect love? God is love. I contacted our friends, our pastor friends in Ukraine this week. Many of you know we have dear friends that pastor a church in Ukraine, churches all over Ukraine. And in February of 24, February 24th of 2022, Russia invaded Ukraine. And if you do the math, that's now a year and a half that this nation has been in the tension of war. I asked them to send me a video. We're going to share that on social later today about how they battled fear. But here's the thing I want you to know. What Anya and Dima said was, it was the faith of churches like ours that were praying for them that strengthened them to go on. Every time I think about them, I think, I don't know what it's like to be living, listen to me, with rockets flying over your head, 
with people who are on staff in your church being drafted in to fight a battle they may never come back from. They have more widows. They have more children without parents. They have gone into cities and brought health and hope. But our faith and our prayers partnered with them to build up their faith to every day get in the van that you guys help buy them to go out and do the work of the Lord in the midst of a war. Sometimes you got to partner your lack of faith with someone who has faith. My wife has this unrational fear of planes sometimes, and I, she probably don't even want me to share it, but too late, we're in. And as we, as we get on a plane, she kind of gets panicked, and I know this. And so, Lord, I'm just like, no, in Jesus' name, that's not going to happen. I bring the peace because I carry the peace in this situation. But let, don't get this twisted. There's times where your boy don't have peace, and she does. And so what we know is, is that we feed off of each other, good or bad. And I'm wondering, who are you feeding off of? Who's playing a part in your life? Who's speaking into your day-to-day? Because this is what's happened since the wars began a year and a half ago in Ukraine. These are the things that's happened. They have blessed 15,000 families with a week's set of groceries. That's 100 tons of groceries. They gave, they gave out 15 tons of clothing to refugees and needy people across the city. They have helped the refugee families and people with, whose houses got blown up by rockets in our cities with dozens of blankets, pillows, mattresses, bed sets, kitchen items, furniture, and guess what else? Washers and dryers, refrigerators, Stoves, sinks, and toilets. Thousands of hygiene supplies, diapers, children's formulas to refugees and orphans whose parents have died in the war. They gave room to live, listen to this, to 400 refugees and homeless people. At one point, they had 50 people living in their church sanctuary. They have helped and are still helping soldiers in the dangerous red zones with groceries, uniforms, flashlights, masking nets, shovels, hammers, fixing things, fixing their vehicles. They gave out medical supplies to soldiers and older refugees, sick with diabetes, hypertension, heart problems, and much more. They gave out more than 10,000 loaves of bread to street people. Listen to this. Over the war period, they saw over 2,000 people give their lives to God. They baptized 120 six people in water. They have multiple alpha courses, which is a course teaching people how to evangelize. Villages, outreaches under a tree. Dozens of children in youth camps. Children's celebrations that included 600 children. They got access, listen to this, to preach in the most dangerous places in the country where all the shootings are going on and Russian armies are only three kilometers away from those areas. They're preaching the gospel. They planted three new churches and they participated in dozens of rescue efforts in places that were destroyed by rockets. This is what she said. Our Southview family has a huge role in all of these stories. Each family has a story and you're part of their testimony. The van that you blessed us with went to all of these places and took all these things to needy ones. The money that you're sending does so much. This isn't about a war. This isn't about economy. This isn't about an election. This isn't about a virus or flesh and blood. It's about allowing fear to rule and reign over our lives. Today, today, choose this day whom you will serve. Today, we elect and choose bold and radical faith in our lives. We choose it today. We will no longer be operating in fear. I want you to stand to your feet. I want to read this scripture to you. Psalms 56. 
This is a mictum. It's a musical that David wrote when the Philistines seized him. How many know the Philistines traveled? <laughs> they were in David's life all throughout his life. And this is what he said. He said, be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long for many attack me proudly. Maybe that's what you feel like today. Maybe you feel like David. He said, when I am afraid, what do I do? I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long, they injure my claws. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps. They have waited for my life. For their crimes, will they escape? In wrath, cast down the people, oh God. This is David crying out and feeling hopeless. He said, you have kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. God knows what you've been through. Are they not in your book? God knows. Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. Look at that. As soon as you call on him, he said, this I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man do to you? What can the principalities do to you when you serve a God that is seated in heavenly places? There is nothing too big for him. So what I'm here to tell you today is no matter what is coming down the road, and it's coming, and it's here, and it will be here, I want you to hear me very clear and plainly. God's word is above every other thing. You need to know what he says about you and what he says you can do in him. It's nothing you could do apart from yourself. You don't have a natural peace except from the Prince of Peace, the giver of peace, the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to remind you that fear is not your future. And I want to remind you, you don't have to choose fear another year. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.